Okay, well every blessing to you all and welcome back to my open air pulpit. It is minus one degrees Celsius and I think there is snow in the air. So I'm going to try and cover as much ground as I can, as quickly as I can. In fact, as I was heading down to the open air pulpit, it came to my mind that this is in fact our 10th year. Can you believe when it comes to making videos? 10 years of making videos and I hope and pray that if it pleases the Lord that he will allow me to make more videos over the next 10 years to come. It's been a great blessing for me over the past uh, several days. Uh, last Sunday I was able to finish Revelation chapter 15 and Lord willing tomorrow I will attempt to commence Revelation chapter 16. So if you want to join along with us you are more than welcome to do so. Just go to our website, excatholicsofchrist.com and click on the live stream link. We commence around 11 a.m. UK time every Sunday. Sometimes we commence just before 11 and normally end just around midday. So it's best if you visit our website, maybe around 10 to 11 uh, UK time and just click on the live link and wait. Uh, for the service to commence and conclude around midday. On top of that, I am very happy to announce that yesterday, by the good grace of the Lord, I finished the entire Bible. My goal had been to read the scriptures in 31 days, and I was hoping that I would be able to do that. I wasn't uh, completely sure that I would be able to do that with other commitments, and I thought to myself, I've got to do this. <laughs> I give myself the goal. I've never done such a project in such a period of time. And like I say, during my last uh, message, I was around eight hours behind schedule around 10 days ago or so. And I thought to myself, if I don't pick up the slack, I'm not going to do it. Well, by the grace of God, yesterday I finished the entire Bible. And what does that mean? Uh, four days ahead of schedule. So it can be done, it can be done. And the only downside of doing such a project is that I wasn't able to study the scriptures. To read is wonderful, but if you know me, I like to study the scriptures. And I was seeing a lot of things. I was being reminded about a lot of truths and I was rediscovering a lot of truths and also finding other truths which I will hopefully speak about in the coming weeks and months. So, praise the Lord, indeed. I know for some of you, you are following along with me. Well, keep going. And if you have also finished, please drop me a line. I would like to know. But the big news, I guess, over the last week would be the decision, the aim, the goal for the American government to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And I am very interested when it comes to Israel. And I continue to observe the new American president. And I am still uh, interested, shall we say, concerning his comments about his son-in-law being able to fix peace in the Middle East. Now, I know what people say. Well, he was just being overly uh, kind towards his uh, son-in-law. He's very proud of his son-in-law, so on and so forth. And yet, I guess I'm somewhat more cynical. And I take such a statement as that uh, very seriously. I'm also very much aware that the Antichrist, who is still to arrive on the scene, I might add, 
will not only be Jewish, but he'll be tied in with money. And if you look at uh, the Gospel of John, I think it's John 13 from memory, although maybe slightly out, it speaks about Judas Iscariot having the bag. He was the uh, master's money man. And if you speak to dispensationalists, they will say that the Antichrist is Judas Iscariot resurrected. I don't believe that. I think what's more likely uh, to be concerning the Antichrist is that the spirit or the devil or the unclean spirit that took over Judas Iscariot will take over the Antichrist. I'm currently working my way through Clarence Larkin's commentary on the book of Revelation, which was very kindly given to me last year. And he makes a very interesting statement. He thinks that the Antichrist will start off as a good man, and yet somewhere along the way will become a bad man. Now, I'm not sure about that. I do know from Luke 22 how Satan would enter into Judas Iscariot. And also, I think it's John uh, 13, when he's sitting around the table with the Lord breaking bread, the uh, final supper, of course, or the last supper, and it says how Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. So you've got two accounts of Satan entering into Judas Iscariot. What a terrifying thought. And yet it's quite possible that the devil entered more than once into Judas Iscariot. But Larkin's belief of the Antichrist starting off as a decent, upright Jew, and then somehow becoming bad, and of course that is accredited to the devil entering into him, is an interesting uh, hypothesis. But I'm not overly sure I concur with such a statement. It could just be that Mr. Trump's son-in-law is a candidate for the Antichrist. He's an Orthodox Jew. He is a very wealthy Jew. He has ties to, uh, uh, to Manhattan. He's also very well known in Israel. But to go beyond that, to be dogmatic about the Antichrist and who, is, who exactly he is, is problematic. And people say, well, the papacy is the Antichrist. Well, I dealt with that quite thoroughly throughout my study of Revelation. If the papacy is the Antichrist, where is the false prophet? If the papacy is the Antichrist, where is the third temple? If the papacy is the Antichrist, what about the mark of the beast? But if the Americans move the embassy from uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and if uh, Mr. Trump's son-in-law is a part of that particular decision, then it's fair to say that the third temple will go up very quickly, which means that we are very much at the end of the church age. And I am concerned about it. Somebody said, no, why are you concerned? Well, I'm concerned because I've got unsaved friends and family. Paul the Apostle was very concerned that his beloved Jews were rejecting the Messiah. Christ would weep over Jerusalem. There's something abnormal when it comes to those of us which are saved, somehow taking great delight that the final end times deception could just be around the corner. You were told to pray for your enemies. Now, I have no enemies, neither should you. But the point is this, you shouldn't be rubbing your hands with glee when something serious is about to concur. In fact, it speaks about this back in Proverbs, not to take delight, not to be overly happy if your enemy stumbles or falls. So I will keep my eyes very firmly on uh, Jerusalem and what the new American government is 
aiming to do. We are living in very interesting times. I'm also very much aware that when we speak about Israel, we, those of us which are saved, of course, and those of us which are pre-millennial, sometimes risk the uh, statement being made that we are somehow either anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish, what have you. That is a complete farce. We are born again. We are the Lord's people. And we are more than able to speak about such a subject. But let me say this as well before I get to a particular scripture. I just wonder if Mr. Trump's son-in-law has somehow been able to bewitch the Trump presidency. He was able to not only marry Trump's daughter, but he was also able to get her to convert to Judaism. Now, if you are a, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, if you believe in the book, if you are born again, if you know Jesus Christ, you know perfectly well that there is no salvation in Judaism. And sometimes people don't want to say that. Sometimes those of us which are pre-millennial and pre-tribulational and love the Jews, somehow, or we decide to some, uh, somehow uh, shy away from making such a statement. Well, I'm not going to shy away from it. Listen, if you are a Jew, if you're not born again, you're lost. It's as simple as that. Your Messiah came, and he said, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. He wept over Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul says how you are beloved for your father's sakes. So to see Mr. Trump's son-in-law being able to get Ivanka to turn from Christianity, reject Jesus, and embrace Judaism is devastating. And that is covered over in the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter, I think it's 6, and chapter 10. If we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for us. You've trodden on the foot the Son of God afresh. You have rejected his atonement. You've gone back under the Old Testament, and as such, you can't be saved. You're lost. And that's why it's so imperative for those of us which are saved, for those of us which are friends of Israel, and we are friends of Israel, of Israel, we stand with Israel, we love the Jews, to tell them that if you don't repent, if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Messiah, you are lost. People say, how about that scripture over in Daniel, which speaks about the Antichrist not being interested in women? Well, it could just be that if you look at Judas, for example, as a type of the Antichrist, he was married, he had children, and yet his main love would appear to be money. He had the bag. He was the master's uh, money man. On top of that, he betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. So it could just be that what we are going to see in the coming weeks and months and perhaps years is a Jew like Jared, for example, Jared Kushner, going to Jerusalem, speaking to the Jews as a Jew himself, an Orthodox Jew, and being able to get them to sign this covenant, this agreement. And then somewhere along the way, according to Larkin's hypothesis anyway, he becomes the Antichrist. Now, I don't know if I necessarily accept that. I think the Antichrist starts bad and ends bad. That's my own view on uh, the character of the Antichrist, and yet I don't rule out Larkin's belief. So when we look at Israel, we see a lot of things we see, for the most part, a 
secular nation. Most Jews are secular. Most Jews are atheist. Most Jews don't believe in the scriptures. In fact, most Jews are not even Zionists. Most Israelis that live in Israel are not Zionist. And yet the scripture speaks about Zion being the Lord's holy hill, his eternal city, the Messiah coming back to rule and reign from Zion, being Jerusalem, of course. But I think one of the problems when it comes to Israel, when it comes to her relationship in the uh, church age, and remember this as well, that for those Jews, those Hasidic Jews that reject the Messiah, like uh, Jared and Ivanka, they are back under the Old Testament. They are back under the Old Testament law. They are bound to the Ten Commandments. And yet when I observe such a couple, I can't imagine such a couple keeping the Jewish Sabbath. Jewish women are to dress very conservatively. In fact, one of the customs that Jewish women have and I'm speaking about Ivanka now, who is now a Jewess, is when they go out in public, they are to cover their hair with a wig. Jewish women, if they are Orthodox, if they keep the Sabbath or the uh, Shabbat, as the Jews call it, are expected, are minded to cover their hair, to put a wig on. And you say, why would that be? Well, they are preserving their beauty just for their husbands. And yet Ivanka wears her own hair, doesn't wear a wig. She's very glamorous and a very eloquent woman, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to being a Jewess, I wonder just how, Jew, uh, how much of a Jew she really is. But I think we can say this. I think we shouldn't be afraid to speak about this for those of us which are saved. Again, some Christians shy away from this. Some Christians fall over themselves when it comes to Israel. In fact, I've seen Christians, get to my scripture from Deuteronomy 28 shortly, that when they speak to Jews, almost bow down to them. And I've seen Christians call rabbis, rabbi, listen, as an ex-Catholic, you couldn't pay me to call a Catholic priest father. I was told not to do so from Matthew 23. On top of that, you were told to call no man master from the same piece of scripture. So out goes Freemasonry. And yet why is it that for some people, they ignore the other part from Matthew 23, not to call any man rabbi? If you are born again, you have one rabbi, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're born again, you have one father, God the Father. And if you are born again, and you're a brother, and you know other brothers, then you're all brothers in the Lord. We have no master over us, like a master mason from the lodge. So don't be so uh, shy, don't be so reluctant to speak about such a subject. Jesus Christ would say, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. The Apostle Peter would say how there is no other name under heaven giving, given among men whereby we must be saved. The Apostle Paul would tell you how there's one mediator between men and God the man, Christ Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if you are a Jew or if you have converted to Judaism, I've got bad news for you. You're unsaved. You can't be saved. The Messiah is being and gone. And he told you that if you wanted to be reconciled to the Father, you'd have to do so via the Messiah. It was also very interesting to see at the uh, Trump post-inauguration uh, church service at a cathedral in Washington, Ivanka and her husband attending the church service. What are they doing there? 
as an Orthodox Jew, which they both are now, such a place would be unclean to them. If you speak to an Orthodox Jew, if you speak to an honest Orthodox Jew, they will tell you that the seed found back in Genesis chapter 3 concerning the seed of the serpent is in reference to the Gentiles. That's one of the reasons why the Lord Jesus Christ clashed with the Jewish leaders, because they thought he was somehow uh, overly friendly to the Gentiles, and the same claim would be put to the Apostle Paul. But remember this, that the Bible is a Jewish book. The prophets were Jews. The Messiah was a Jew. The apostles were Jewish. So if you are anti-Jewish, you're anti the Bible. And if you are a saved sinner and yet attacking the Jews, something is wrong with you. The Jews are beloved for the Father's sakes. Also of interest to me, just before I forget to move on, or before I move on, because it's getting very cold now, one of the people that attended Trump's uh, post-inauguration meeting was one of the 12 apostles from the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. What are they doing there? It's a very ecumenical uh, administration. And I think also this, that if the Americans go back to Israel, or if the Americans decide to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, look out for the Catholics. Look out for the Jesuits. A lot of uh, Trump's cabinet are Roman Catholic, and the Catholic Church have been waiting for years to get into Jerusalem. And I just wonder if they will somehow jump on the back of the American, uh, Americans' coattails, if they will somehow breeze into Jerusalem and do so thanks to America. What you see is a, farrah, is, a, is a mirage. What you see is a farce. What you see is not what it appears to be. A lot of people think that because something is said or because something is insinuated or because uh, somebody comes across as being very decent, very outright, that it's all very straightforward. It's always wise to look a little closer. It's always wise to drill a little deeper. And that's why I made the case and I put the challenge forward at the beginning of this month to read the scriptures through in 31 days. Because what I don't want to do is get caught up in all of the rhetoric. I don't want to be listening to other people's views and thoughts about the scriptures. I want to read the scriptures myself. I want to examine certain doctrines myself. And therefore, when I come across politicians, at best we can pray for them, but what we don't want to do is promote them. Now, what you saw, last weekend was a very ecumenical church service. On top of that, you saw, I think, a Hindu priest there. And I think to myself this, what does Mr. Pence make of all this? We are told that Mr. Pence is a born-again Christian. If you're born again and you're yoking yourself to such people, you will lose your testimony. It's as simple as that. In fact, I thought to myself a few days ago, wouldn't it be interesting if someone like Mr. Pence would go on television and say, first of all, uh, mankind has no rights. If you're unsaved, you are a servant of sin. You are a servant to sin. And if you are saved, you are a servant to the Savior. Wouldn't that be interesting? And of course, he'd be absolutely slated for saying such a thing. On top of that, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if somebody got up during uh, the inauguration last week and said, repent, Turn or burn. You need to be born again. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that just be wonderful? Just tremendous. But no, what you got was a Catholic cardinal get up, a guy called Dolan from New York, a very controversial character. You had a, you had a charismatic lady 
uh, get up and make a statement. You had a rabbi say a few words. You had Franklin Graham say a few words. It was very ecumenical, and according to uh, some of the accounts that I've been reading, it was more ecumenical than usual. Trump is a very interesting character. On the surface, he appears to be something new. On the surface, he comes across as a breath of fresh air. And yet sometimes you think to yourself, you know, that, that uh, expression comes to mind. If it seems too good to be true, it normally is. Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 12, please. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land, unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head, and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, old covenant concerning Moses and the children of Israel, to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou, Israel, shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. One of the problems when it comes to modern Israel is that they are very much a friend to the Gentiles. They are very much in need of the Gentiles. They are very much in debt to America and also Germany. And because the Jews, for the most part, don't believe in Jehovah, they've turned from God to the Gentiles. They are a nation in unbelief. They are a nation in very much of need of being redeemed, of being brought back into fellowship with the Lord. And the Lord shall make to the head, not yet, and not the tail. At present, Israel is very much in need, as I say, of the Gentiles. And yet in the millennium, it will be totally reversed. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. At present, it's an unequal relationship. You've got Israel not only relying on the Gentile nations, but Israel is also part of the United Nations. The whole point of Israel being given, being given the right to become the Lord's people was to lead the way, to be an example to the Gentiles. In fact, when was the last time you came into contact with an Orthodox Jew, or any Jew for that matter, who witnessed to you? Most Jews don't believe in hell. Most Jews are humanists. Most Jews are just as unsaved as Catholics are, or Mormons. Most Jews go through the uh, Sabbath and go through the rituals because they are Jews. It's part of who they are. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, not many Jews do, which I command thee this day to, uh, to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day. How many Jews keep the Ten Commandments? How many Jews put Sabbath breakers to death? To the right hand or to the left, 
to go after other gods, to serve them. You can be a secularist. And if you are a secularist, that is the equivalent to being an idolater. You don't have to worship another god per se, like Allah. You don't have to uh, bow down to a statue or an image to be guilty of idolatry. If you are secular, if you are agnostic, if you worship money, then you are guilty of idolatry. What you just heard from Deuteronomy 28 is a picture of how Israel should have been. Israel is very much the apple of the Lord's eye. Israel is greatly beloved because of their father's sakes. Paul would tell us that they are enemies towards those of us which are saved. They hate the gospel, they attack the gospel, and yet we are to love them. We are to plead with them. We are to witness to them. We are to tell them that there is no salvation outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, you didn't hear that once during the last week, and you won't hear it. Most Messianic believers won't go on record and plead with someone like Ivanka to come back to Christianity. Now, I'm not saying she's ever saved to begin with. She was raised Presbyterian, as was her father. And yes, her father was a great fan of uh, the very controversial uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, a 33rd degree Freemason. And if you don't know, the Presbyterian denomination is a bit too close to Freemasonry for my like. That's why it's imperative to check every preacher out, to check every ministry out as carefully as you can. And one of my goals, Lord willing, will be to write about Freemasonry for probably March's newsletter. And yes, that's still a few months away. And between now and then, I am hoping to finish the Book of Revelation. As always, a lot of projects on the go. So pray for Israel, of course. Pray for your leaders, whether you are British or American or Canadian or French or German or Russian or Indian or Pakistani or Australian or uh, New Zealander or wherever you are. It makes no difference. The powers that be are ordained of the Lord. But what we don't want to do is start promoting politicians, start, take, uh, start taking sides. In fact, there was a lot of hostility during the US election concerning uh, Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton. And yet what wasn't discussed were the friendship, the friendship that took place between uh, Chelsea Clinton and Ivanka Trump. Very close friends. And also, I should say, that uh, Chelsea Clinton also married a Jewish man. But unlike uh, Ivanka, Ivanka, pronounce it as you will, didn't convert to Judaism. And I've heard of other people that have converted to Judaism. And as I say, there's no salvation in that system. And on top of that, it can make you very self-righteous. It can make you very uh, full of yourself. And it can take you further away from the Lord. The scripture says, unless you are born again, you are lost. And the scripture says that only the Messiah, only the Lord Jesus Christ can and will save anyone that comes to him by faith. So I will say this and sign out that it is possible that once the Americans make a decision to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, that the pressure on the Israeli government will be immense to put the third temple up. And yet every Israeli government going back to 1948 has been very secular. In fact, it's worth remembering and reminding ourselves that the first group of Jews that became the Jewish government in 1938 were Marxists. They were atheists. 
They're very close to Russia. They were not interested in the Lord. They had no interest in the scriptures per se. And that's why it's helpful for those of us which are saved, for those of us which are pro-Israel, not to get too close to Israel as a nation. We stand with the people, we stand with their right to the land, absolutely, and we stand with their right to be in the land, but we don't want to get yoked up with the Jews per se, or any group of people per se, because if you're not saved, you're lost. It's as simple as that. And that's why I think it's so painful to watch politicians, so-called Christian politicians like Mr. Pence, going along with ecumenical church services, going along with stuff which you shouldn't be going along with. Now, in the UK, we have no, as far as I know, Christian leaders per se. British politicians, to their credit, don't play the religion game. But in America, they very much play the religion game. God bless America, this and that. And people say, well, Mr. Trump is a saved man. I don't believe so. And I'll tell you why I don't believe so. One of his favorite words is hell. And I caught uh, a bit of him uh, giving a statement a couple of nights ago in, uh, I think it was Philadelphia, caught the live stream. And he said the word hell like five times. What the hell are they doing? Where the hell is such and such? Listen, if you are a saved man, if you are a saved woman, you don't use that kind of language. Hell is a terrible place. Hell is a terrible subject. Most of the world are going to go straight to hell when they die. So when someone speaks in such a cavalier manner, when someone throws such a term around so loosely, you're dealing with an unsaved person. Pray for him. Intercede for him, by all means. And everyone should do that for their leaders. And fast, if you need to, for such a leader. Pray for Israel especially. Intercede for Israel every day and fast for Israel as well. But don't tell me, don't put the statement to me that somehow Mr. Trump is a saved man. He's unsaved. His family are unsaved. And the Jews, for the most part, are unsaved as well. But anyway, I won't go on any longer. I've spoken for longer than I thought I would do in this bitterly cold uh, weather of minus one degrees uh, Celsius. But uh, I think you've had enough for today and as I say I will when I can uh, start preparing some more in-depth messages concerning uh, Israel being the Lord's people greatly beloved and their right to the land I found many scriptures from the Old Testament which uh, just warmed my heart over the last uh, 27 days And I thought that'd be great to preach on and that'd be great to speak on and that'd be great to put online. But as I say, reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures are not the same thing. So now I've finished the scripture, praise the Lord, I can make some time to start planning, start preparing for future messages on Israel, on the Jews and on the Lord. But I still think, and I'll say this one final time and sign out that, The Jesuits, the Catholic Church, will do what they can to make the most of Israel and this new relationship with the United States of America. And I think if the U.S. Embassy goes from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, not only will that put pressure on other countries to follow suit, but the Jesuits, the Catholic Church, will make the most of that.
They've waited for years to dominate Israel. They own a lot of land in Israel. They own most of Capernaum and they own uh, large parts of Nazareth. But Jerusalem per se, they've been waiting for a long time. And that's why I was very suspicious when I heard Mr. Trump speaking about the Catholic Church in such a fond way back at the uh, Al Smith dinner pre-Christmas. He was very kind. He was very complimentary to Roman Catholicism. And yet, I don't trust those cardinals in America. I don't trust that crowd in the Vatican. I know most Catholics are victims of their religion. And I know most parish priests are victim, are victims of their own religion. I understand that. But the men that run the whole thing from the papacy down, I don't trust any of those men. And I think they're going to make the most of this switch, if it happens, of course. And again, what's the Mormons? You know, what are the Mormons doing at Mr. Trump's inauguration? It's so ecumenical. And for those of us which are saved, we have no part to play in such a setup. So anyhow, I will wrap this message up, jump out of camera shot, and allow you to uh, see just how barren the backdrop is. This is very typical for January. Cold, windy, and yet, praise the Lord, it's not uh, too uh, difficult, or hasn't been too difficult for me to come up today and speak to you all. And on that statement, I will sign out and wish you every blessing in Jesus Christ's name. King of kings, Lord of lords, the true Messiah and Saviour of Israel. And outside of him, there is no salvation. I don't care who you are or where you are. Outside of him, there is no salvation. You want to be saved? Get on your knees. You want to be forgiven? Call on the name of the Lord. You want to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Get born again. Get under the blood of the Lamb. Call on the name of the Lord. Receive him by faith. Trust in him alone. Put your total faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. Not religion, not doing the Sabbath, not converting to Judaism, not converting to Catholicism, not doing religion. I was raised in a religious family. I know what it's like to be religious, and I wasn't saved. And that's why it's so painful to see someone like Ivanka Trump and her Jewish husband doing religion. And for her especially, turning her back on her Christian roots and embracing an obsolete covenant, a covenant which is done away with, a covenant which is now kaput, a covenant which the Lord has no interest in. His son has been and gone. His son has been and gone. His son has paid for the sins of the world. And he died on the cross. And the Bible says, if you put your faith in that, if you trust in that, you can and will be saved. But if you pass it up, you will be lost. You will be damned. Terrible thought, and yet something which needs to be preached again and again and again. And I will sign out and wish you every blessing, every happiness, and every joy in our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.